hundred four. Now let us notice 957. 957. Have a little sing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure's all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's so open door. Said I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I'll have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that one thing I know. My Savior pardon me, and now I onward go. I'll know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I'll have no my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels back on me from heaven's open door, saying I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand all shout in the victory. Their songs of sweetly's pray drift back from heaven's shores. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I'll have no friend like you if heaven's not my home. Then, Lord, what will I do? The angels back on me from heaven's open door, saying I can't feel at home in this world anymore. From other mornings, we are powerfully grateful to God for his incessant blessings and the opportunities that he continues to allow us to serve him, to know him and to relate to him and to increase the opportunities of God for the world in our lives. That's what we're always about, and that's what we're constantly searching to find ways we can better do that. Uh, I'm particularly concerned with this congregation at this time and, and what it is doing and God's intent for this church and how we can be brought to a realization of that and how what I need to do in order to help us achieve those ends and that objective. Uh, relating to Christ is far beyond a worship service and a few things that we do that we used to do that certified to us our own Christian faith. God is looking for us to go deeper and find more jewels. Uh, Greater works shall you do, he said, because I go to the Father. See, Jesus did not see himself totally indispensable 
to what the disciples were to do. He had done what he could do, what God had assigned him to do as best he could. And he says he's going away, but uh, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. That is a tremendously powerful challenge to me and to this great congregation, not just to say great, but the powerful opportunities. We're thankful to have all of our visiting friends with us today, and I'm not the preacher for today, but I wanted to say what was on my heart about our opportunities for God and the privileges and opportunities we have to take advantage of what God is doing in our midst. I've asked Dan Sims today to speak to us on the educational thrust of the church and how we might uh, academically achieve uh, all that God intends for us to. Uh, one of the blessings the church has is educators, the people who are in the educational process, and I think we have poorly used that opportunities. As I was sitting here in, in anticipation of coming before you, I was reminded of the fact that educators specialize in getting the message across. That's what they are about. They spend a lifetime in that. And yet we have not really resorted to them to the extent that we should have. Uh, they're paid responsible salaries, not as high as they should be, but their specialty is communicating to people. I'm bothered presently about our inability to not only preach the gospel, but get people to be responsive to it in terms of inaction. We have made the mistake of equating listening and hearing with doing. We've heard the gospel for years, we've heard it preached for years, we see where others are wrong, but we have not necessarily been moved to action ourselves, and God's word has not become a reality in our lives. So I've asked a person who is who's ascended the educational ladder, very impressive young man for us, uh, sacrificial with his life and uh, can get a man from the rest of these educators out here uh, and uh, to speak to us today in two, two messages uh, because I'm particularly interested in all the time he spends educating, just moved to the level of principal of a high school from a middle school and a very young man, fully successful, and it has not gone to his head. We, we appreciate that. He's fully dedicated and determined. Every time I say something to him about slowing down, he said, Brother Harrison, I'm determined. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. And whatever else I take on is not going to cut back on my church work. It was uh, him came some time ago to me, and what he, he was working to get his sacrifices and his uh, tithing to a certain level is far above the average. And he thanks for the church. And we're just fortunate to have him, and I'm pleased to call on him to uh, speak to us on the messages that are listed today, and we act for your undivided attention. Uh, you have us another song for Dan, or are you going to expect Dan to sing his own song? <laughs> All right, Brother Sam. Come, we will 
understand it better by and by. Amen. Let church say amen. If it's hot outside, say amen. If you have an inkling that tomorrow just might be better because God is still on the throne, say amen. Y'all know we serve a, a wonderful Savior. We serve the wonderful God. I think we miss that uh, sometimes just as life goes, just how wonderful God is to us. And I need y'all to make sure that you have that on your mind this morning before I even begin uh, this lesson. So I'm going to ask Brother David Howard, if you would, if y'all would turn to him, 225. Uh, wonderful hymn. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Y'all please join him as we sing him 225 to make sure our minds are right where they need to be to receive God's word for this morning. Hymn 225. Forever, let us sing. I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, I was bound by fear, but my Jesus set me free. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, he's a friend so true. He's so patient and so kind. He's a wonderful Savior to me. And everything I need in him I always find Cause he's a wonderful Savior to me Well, he's a wonderful Savior to me So wonderful, he's a wonderful Savior to me So wonderful, well, I was lost all in my sin you know that Jesus took me in Cause he's a wonderful Savior to me Well, dear, it grows the love of my Jesus day by day Cause he's a wonderful Savior to me So wonderful and sweeter is his grace Oh, while I'm pressing on my Cause he's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, he's a wonderful Savior to me. So wonderful. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Well, I was lost all in my sin, you know. Jesus took me cause he's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me, so wonderful. He's a wonderful Savior to me, so wonderful. Well, I was lost all in my sin, you know. Jesus took me in cause he's a wonderful Savior to me. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for that song. I needed that. You needed that. You, you continue to need that as you realize just the wonderful God that we serve. A couple of reasons I asked Brother David Howard to sing that song. One, I, I just love when he leads it. But number two, I'm trying to get all the free work I can out of David Howard <laughs> as much as I can. For those of you who might not have had the opportunity to hear, he, was, uh, he wasn't just an extra. He had a prominent role on uh, Meet the Browns Wednesday night. And I tell you, this brother is phenomenal. He did a, he did a wonderful job. <clears throat> and, 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 you know, I, I say that to say, of course, to lift up our brother. But, you know, God needs Christians everywhere. Because, because everybody's everywhere. 
And if we plan to save everybody or give everybody the opportunity to receive the gospel, then he needs us dispatching all places. So hats off to you, David. We're going to continue to support him and, and, and pray for him and his aspirations as we uh, pray one for another. God has a plan for... There's a blank, isn't it? And there's a reason I put that blank. I'm sure some of you thought, and, and, and before I even get to that, um, one thing we have to recognize, be, before we try to achieve anything, we have to recognize that God has his plans. If you don't recognize that at the onset of any step in life that you take, I promise you, you will stand a chance of taking some steps in the wrong direction. I liken it unto a, a GPS system in your car. And as, I don't have one, but as I know a GPS system, you put the address in of where you're going. GPS knows right where you are. And right at the onset, GPS puts a plan in place for you to get to where you're going. When you were born, I would humbly submit that God had a plan. That he knew right where you were. He knew all of your circumstances, how you got here, and he had a vision of how that thing was going to end up. So if we, don't, if we don't even start with knowing that God has plans, we can hang up this whole sermon this morning. But I want to start with the blank. Why the blank, Brother Sims? Some of you may think, uh, I want you to write your name in the blank, and that's, that's what my intent was. And I'll be honest with you, as I, as I started to write this sermon and put my notes together, that's what my mind was. But I said, wait a minute. It's not just that God has plans for people. God has a plan for just about anything and everything. For situations, how they ought to turn out, for, 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 for the world and the structures and all of those different kinds of things. So, so this blank that you see in the bulletin, can speak to so many things. And I want to give you permission this morning because there'll be sometimes when I say God has a plan for it, I'm going to point to you. I want you to go ahead and put in your mind right now a few things that you know as it relates to your life or this world that you know or either believe that God has a plan for. When I point, I just want y'all to say what it is. Can we, can we, can we, can we try that? Okay, this is, this is an important part of this message, okay? God has a plan for, let's try it again. I need everybody now, and, and, and y'all already getting in trouble. I'm letting you know that, okay? God has a plan for, very good. God has a plan for, don't, if you said the same thing now, you, you're messing up already. You're messing up already. Let's try it again. God has a plan for, I want y'all to go with me this morning as we discuss critical pieces to get our minds going of Jeremiah and ultimately you and this blank that we're talking about. And before I even get into that, um, I want to continue to drive home the point. As we think about God and whatever his plan is for whatever his plan is for, the importance of us and our Christian education as being a route to make sure that whatever those plans are, whatever's in that blank, gets fulfilled because of how we've equipped ourselves to get to be a part of that fulfillment. Amen. Let's talk the blank a little bit more. The blank, y'all, is the reason we woke up this morning. The blank, y'all, is why tomorrow is coming. The blank is a hope for a better world. Anything, just about anything can go inside that blank. And this morning, what I want to try to do is narrow that down, if you will, and I want to begin and use that as an example some of the things that Jeremiah went through in his preparation to be a great prophet for God's glory. Looking at Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse uh, number 4, to get us going. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and listen, to, listen, listen to the word of the Lord. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Boy, those are some strong words. God had a plan for Jeremiah. But listen to this, because what I want us to see and zero in on is the conversation between Jeremiah and God. And I think you may see some evidences of yourselves in this conversation. Here's what Jeremiah says. Then I said, alas, Lord God, 
Behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. Jeremiah heard God's plan for him. And Jeremiah's mind was set on his limitations and on his, in his mind, how he saw Jeremiah. I wonder how you see you. And I'll talk about how you see you, how you see you in light of whatever God's plan is for you. Look at this example of Jeremiah. Well, God, listen to what he said. I've appointed you a prophet, young boy, not just to your neighborhood, not just to your house, to the nations. And Jeremiah comes back and basically says, well, God, I know Jeremiah. And Jeremiah can't handle that. How often is it, y'all, that we, knowing us as we know us, fail to miss the evidences of God's plan for our lives? And imagine, if you will, how many lives ultimately aren't affected because we know us and it may not be in line with whatever God's plan is for us. But y'all take some time to think about that because what was really happening and what needed to happen from this point, what needs to happen if I have said anything that indicates where you are, is that Jeremiah needed to be educated in God's way in preparation for whatever was coming. Now to say I've appointed you to be a prophet to the nations, that means God and for Jeremiah had a plan for a whole lot of stuff. And it was necessary, based on what Jeremiah was, for, for Jeremiah to be educated, to be ready for it. And as you read the book of Jeremiah, you can fill in that blank in so many ways. But at the root, Jeremiah's education was key in getting ready for God's plan for him. Now, God forbid that any of you are sitting in this audience and you think that God has a plan for you and because his plan is the plan, then you can just sit there like some cake dough or some clay or, or, or whatever have you and just let God just do, just sit there and just let God do all this stuff and say, here I am. Doesn't work like that. Along with his plan comes critical responsibilities at critical times. And I don't know about y'all, but if you're going to get prepared for critical responsibilities at critical times, you better equip yourself. And if you plan on equipping yourself, you better use this. And I don't know about y'all, I tried that whole thing of reading this by myself and trying to get it all on myself and not you know, deliberating with other people. Just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. So I'm going to challenge y'all this morning as it relates to how we receive this into this. Because that ultimately is going to get us ready for God's plan for. Oh, y'all weren't ready. God's plan for whatever. Let's go on. He could not do or have done what he did, Jeremiah, without education. There's no way in the world he could have done it. Based on what God had planned for his life to be. Let me take it off the pages for a minute. The principalship is, 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 a, is a critical and a tough role. Some of you in this, in this audience have been principals before. One thing a principal must do is communicate the plan. Can't just come in and just assign rooms and assign books and, and give you a class role and say, hey, y'all, let's have school. Uh-uh. One, that's not what people are looking for. And I can tell you right now, when I walked before the, uh, my, my new staff on August the 16th, 2010, as they sit before me, as you're sitting before me right now, they have one question on, your mind, on their mind. Mr. Sims, what is the plan? And what they expect to know are two things as it relates to that plan. Number one, how does that plan involve me? Number two, how am I going to receive support from you, Mr. Sims, in order to equip me to execute the plan? Now, that's just a school. So let's bring it back to the, to the verses and relate it to you. You sit before God. You pray to your God. I hope and pray that when you pray to God, you are praying with an understanding that, yes, God is working out a plan in my life. But I hope that you are asking yourselves, if not the same questions, very similar questions. 
How does that plan involve me? What God do you want me to do? And number two, how is it that I can become equipped in order to execute that plan? And we can't get past education, y'all, as it relates to that. And the more that we try to get past education, the harder we're going to find ourselves making sure that things happen. Referring to Psalm chapter, one, uh, chapter 119, the words of David, thy word, y'all know it, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do y'all realize that, that is the evidence of a portion of God's plan for his word being, being illustrated by, the, by David? That's basically saying God's plan or how well we will address what will separate us from God. That's, that's a long definition, if you will, of sin. That which separate us, separates us from God. And revealed in that one scripture is a way that we can get ourselves in a posture such that we will not become separate from God. Thy word have I hid in my heart. How is it that we hide God's word in our heart? I don't know if you've ever taken time to ask yourself that question. And perhaps even before asking that, is God's word hidden in my heart? And if you were to argue to me, yes, my second question would be, what, what's your proof? That God's word is hidden in your heart. I'm going to give you something to think about in just a minute. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. In Jeremiah's case, um, of course, God, God put it in his mouth. I'm putting my words in your mouth. He fed it to Jeremiah. Don't worry about what to say. I'm going to give you what to say. That's part of my plan for you. And it was incumbent upon Jeremiah to overcome the whole, I'm young, overcome the whole, I can't speak like I think I can speak, and just let me give it to you. And let you educate others through your mouth. Let's consider Psalm 119 for us. I'll give, give you a simple example. Simple example. I think y'all can relate to this one. It, it, of indicating whether or not something's truly hidden in your heart. Um, cheesecake. Cheesecake. I don't know about y'all, but when I, when my young, younger years of marriage, I always had this concern once I got home from when we went out to eat. And that was whether or not my cheesecake would still be in that refrigerator the next day. My cheesecake have I hid somewhere in that refrigerator so Tracy might not eat it. Now ask yourself, why would Brother Sims hide his cheesecake? Because he loves his cheesecake. Because he knows what that cheesecake is going to do and he comes together with that cheesecake and that fork and the music that's going to be made. And he doesn't want anything, anything to come between him and that cheesecake. Money. Money. My money have I hid in my mattress. So that only my hands will come into contact with that money. Ask yourself, what, what are some reasons why you would hide money? Because you know the power of that money. You know what would happen if anybody else got a hold of that money as it relates to your bills that you had intended to pay with that particular money. There is a reason why we hide stuff. Amen? Yeah. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why would you hide God's word in your heart? I would, I would submit probably anything that you would hide it knowing the power of that word and its connection to your heart, like that cheesecake and its connection to my mouth. You'd also know the power of what that word in your heart would be able to do at the bedrock of all of your decisions. That's in your heart. That's what's the bedrock of so many of our decisions and, and, and feelings and all those kinds of things. You want to hide that word right next to it. So when it comes time to make decisions, as it is mattress money, when it's time to pay those bills, that you have direct access to the word. Now I ask you again, though, because it takes some responsibility for me to hide. You know how hard it is to hide cheesecake from a wife who likes cheesecake? You ever tried it? You know how hard that is? 
How hard is it to hide money? When you have multiple people living in your house and, and things along that line, that's, that's difficult. How difficult is it to hide God's word in your heart? I use the word difficult because what it is not is impossible, which means there is a way to make this happen. Y'all, education is the key. Somebody, y'all see me sweating. Somebody give me some. Whoo! There's a knowledge that exists along with what you hide. So in order for you to be able to, thank you. I'll take them both. <laughs> Amen. A lot of love, a lot of love in this church. A lot of love. Y'all, there's a knowledge that has to exist behind this whole concept of hiding God's word in your heart. That takes work. And what I want to challenge y'all to do this morning is ask yourself, what is the work in light of the work that God has provided as a part of the plan that's been put in place? And to what extent am I taking advantage of that work? If I get personal, just a minute. Y'all, I go through a lot of deep thought, a lot of deep meditation to teach adult Sunday school. With all due respect, I love to teach it to more people than I do. I'm just, amen, somebody. Amen, church pews. I don't do it for formality. I don't do it because it's routine. I do it with the intent of making sure that whoever comes to these pews, here's something that's going to help them and better equip them for whatever God's plan is for out there. Now, I don't mind saying, I believe, matter of fact, I know that God put certain things in place for folk like y'all to become better. For you! And ultimately for somebody else. God forbid if we don't take advantage of those opportunities. As a principle, if I say I want to see differentiation of instruction, no worry if you don't know what that is. Differentiation of instruction in the classroom. Now I can say I want to see it all day. God forbid, as a principal, Bruce, if I don't provide training and adequate support for what I expect to see. Y'all better know God doesn't done, done operate any differently from that. Ask yourself, what has God put in place for me to pursue his plan for me? And am I in line with what he's put in place? Bottom line, y'all, if we plan to fulfill God's plan for this word must get in our heart. So we remain connected to God, which brings us to Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. And this is such a powerful scripture, y'all. I don't know if you're really just taking time to see what God is saying to the people who have been led to captivity. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plan, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. If not for any other reason, this is proof to you that God makes plans for his people. If you don't believe that God may, has made a plan for you, you're missing it. But listen to this next verse. Then you will call upon me. You hear the support that's there? I have a plan for you. That's what he's saying in the first one. I got a plan for you. And then look what he says in verse number 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So there's a relationship between the plan that I have to you and the access that you will have to me to execute that plan. He's speaking loud and clear. And then listen to verse number 13. You will seek me. Not only will you seek me, you will find me. When you search for me, there it is, with all of your heart. You'll seek me, you'll find me with all your heart. You'll come to me and you'll pray to me and I'll listen to you. And all of that is rooted in the fact that I have plans for you. And that speaks to the relationship that must exist between us and God and us and his word. Because this is going to give it to us. 
Now, for all of you, and I might just be talking to one person, or maybe this is the wrong church, but if you've done the Bible in the Year program, you've read all the way through the program, and that's your reason for not coming to study anymore, shame on you. Shame on you. I've read all kind of educational journals and articles and went up to Harvard and did some studying, but shame on me. If I ever get to the point of arrival, because what's going to happen is I'm going to get a new set of kids, a new set of staff members, a new set of challenges. And it might be something I have to reread to better fit the circumstance I'm currently in. Y'all, we got to stay in this thing right here. We got to stay in it. And that's the element of Christian education that we have to take off of, include with church-related things, but take it even deeper than that to say, is this word in my heart? And if it is, what does that look like? The power of that scripture is the part that has God's plan to equip the people. Y'all, God wants to equip you. He wants to equip you, and he can do that greatly through this word. This word has the power to equip us. Y'all, one thing that's on my mind again, I'm sure other Bible school teachers can relate as well, that when we, when we teach our classes, sometimes I'm just wondering, okay, what, what are people going through right now? What's happening right here, right now in their life? And God knows I'm asking that question. Now it's up to God to whether or not he's going to infuse in my lesson something that's going to speak directly to what somebody will deal with tomorrow. Because guess what? God has a plan for tomorrow for you. That's part of his plan. And maybe he said, oh, wow, showed up for Sunday school. Amen. Brother Sims is talking about this. Let me make sure that I infuse it into his spirit, this certain thing to say for that certain person. I think it was Brother Cecil Driscoll. Where, y'all, where are you, Cecil? It's Brother Cecil Driscoll. He came one Sunday, and, and, and this, to God be the glory, y'all. To God be the glory. He said, well, something that you said, and the very next day or the next couple of days, I dealt with this, and man, that was the answer. That wasn't me. Would he have gotten it had he not come? And deeper than had he not come, had he not been committed to his attendance for the purpose of being able to fulfill God's plan. Y'all, the beauty of our presence gives us that much more footing into making sure that we are fulfilling God's plan for... I didn't point to y'all. For whatever. And again, I'm leaving it blank, y'all, because there's so many elements of our lives. We can put so many things in the blank. Whatever it is, God has a plan for it. We can only receive it by being educated in it. Are you equipped? Are you equipped for God's plan? Let's, let's make it simple. I, I want you to think about... Um, Let's say a football equipment room. Anybody play football in here? Anybody play football? Okay, okay, got some football, got football players. Okay, none of y'all made it pro, but that's okay. That's okay. Okay, you have fun. Okay. <clears throat> Let's just think about an equipment room. Prior to any football player stepping onto the football field, you go to that equipment room first. And there's some people in the equipment. Come here, come here, Brother A.G. Brother Shrop Shrop, come here. And Brother Hogan, come on. Come on, brother. All right, there's some people in the equipment room. We're just going to say, Brother A.G., I want to make this real simple, y'all. Bro, let's say, Brother A.G., he's a helmet dude, okay? Come on, come on, okay? You, you the shoulder pads guy, okay? Because these are, these are all things that we need for the playing of football, right? Okay, okay, okay. Y'all need to keep that, okay? Okay, okay, you, you the uh, pants, and, pants and the jersey guy, okay? Okay, and you, you socks and cleats, okay? All right, so, so, socks and cleats, okay? And hold on to these. Come here, Brandon. Come here, Brandon, this up-and-coming football player. This, this brother been visiting uh, several Sundays. Bright brother. You're going to hear something about him. Trust me. Okay? And let's just say Brandon comes through, and Brandon decides, okay, I'm going to play football. Come on over here, Brandon. And Brandon gets to the helmet guy, and in Brandon's mind, Brandon says, forget the helmet. Okay? All right. He comes on, and he comes to the shoulder pass guy. Now, keep in mind, the plan for football is to be equipped, right? Before you step on the field, Right? Stay with that. Comes to the, comes to the uh, shoulder pads guy. I don't need no shoulder pads. I don't need shoulder pads. Okay? Gets to the jersey and, and pants guy. He said, well, I, I have a shirt. 
Have some pants. Leave that alone, right? Okay? Then he comes over here and, and, and um, socks and cleats. I got some socks. I got some shoes. But you know the sun is out, right? The sun is out. So he said, why don't you let me have those shades? Give them shades. Put the shades on. <laughs> and in Brandon's mind, he's cool. <laughs> to step out on the football field. Y'all with me so far? Let's come back. Let's say now, Brother A.G. Sunday school class. Oh, I don't need Sunday school. I read, he, he, he's done the book. I already studied. I don't, I don't need that, right? Okay. Let's say, let's say Brother Shropshire, he's, he's the song leader. Man, God speaks through the words. But I say, you know what? Sermon starts about 11.20. I get there at 11.15, okay? Well, so I'm getting there at 11.15, okay? And, and, and don't tell me we don't make these decisions, y'all. Don't tell me we don't make these decisions. But at the same time, in order for us to be ready for God's plan, we got to be equipped. And here God has provided a framework that we are executing. And we say, nah, that's okay. Nah, I get there right before the sermon begins. Isn't that right? Let's say, let's say this brother, what's your brother? Let's say brother Doolin is, is fellowship after service. Oh, I got to go. I'm hungry. Shoot, forget all of that. I got, I, 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 I got to go. I got, I got to go. I'm hungry. And we get right down to here and we listen to the sermon. And in our mind, we cool. Let Brandon step on the football field like that and get into a play and see what happens to him. Let you step into whatever God has in your path tomorrow or next week or the year after that. And entertain cycle through cycle of making your decision about what you will educate yourself with in God's church and what you will not. And I will show you somebody unprepared. And I've given some of y'all your answers as to why you haven't made it over. Because you haven't equipped yourself with what God has put in place. Thank you, brothers. With what God has put in place. Let me show you, man. You, we have not sometimes equipped ourselves with what God has put in place for us to use based on whatever his plan is. Education, y'all. The objective of education, to sum it all up, from a principal's perspective, is to equip. Period. It's not just for me to get, and I'm in high school now, to get, to get a high school child to graduate. No, I, I have to equip that high school student to be able to handle whatever comes next. The framework is in place. Are we taking advantage of it? The church, brothers and sisters, is our equipment room. And it has all of these critical elements such that we can utilize such that in the end, we've become fully equipped, thoroughly furnished unto good works. Fully equipped so we can take advantage of it all. To equip you for whatever. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know who holds tomorrow. And the same God who holds tomorrow has our plan in his hand. Y'all, that sounds like somebody we need to trust. So what we need to do, y'all, is fill in the blank. And have the faith that what we put into that blank is something that God actually is going to make happen. And not only make it happen, make it happen through us. In educating ourselves in the Lord as I bring it to a close, the ultimate goal, y'all, is to hide it in your heart, put it in a place where, man, when it's time and your, those critical decisions start being made, everything gets bumped up against that word, and that word influences it. And then you find yourself making these decisions, and all this good starts coming out ultimately of things that are happening in your lives. Other people's lives are blessed. It's because that word is in your heart, and your heart's making those decisions, and you can't go wrong. But you can if you pick and choose and get to the point where you think you're cool with the way that, with the way that you have approached this matter. Matthew 12, 34, to drive home this point of the importance of the heart. 34 says, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. 
The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is good. Y'all, most of us have to work for our treasure. You're not just going to happen upon it. And if you're not willing to put in the work to educate yourselves to the point where you are equipped to fulfill God's plan, God's plan will not be fulfilled. I don't know about y'all, but that's a heavy burden right there. To say that God is expected for his plan to be fulfilled in me, but I haven't put in my work, therefore the plan will not be fulfilled. Ooh, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want that on me. So I want you to think about that scripture where your heart is and to really help you understand the importance of understanding that it's not just on God having a plan and the rest of the work is his. Why do you think that Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Every single one of those statements starts with I. He didn't say God did it. Now in the end, he said, henceforth later for me a crown of righteousness, et cetera, et cetera. But before that, he said, I fought. I finished. I kept. I put in the work. Brothers and sisters, we have to put in the work. And I share the same concern that Brother Harrison shares in that after God has spoken through us and spoken through uh, the Bible school teachers, now what? And that's on every single one of us. And I think we're way past the time with our Lord where he just thinks we just want to come and hear and go and say, I got my church on today. Y'all, nothing changes like that. But the change comes when we say, so now what? In closing, say it three times, closing for real this time. If I were to ask you, God, if it's God's word in your heart and you said yes, what would be your proof? If I were to ask you, are you equipped for tomorrow, for next week, for whatever comes, and you said yes, I would ask you, what is your proof? If I were to ask you, how can you come closer to God and his word, what would your answer be? Y'all, there's some answers that exist right now. And I'll be very, uh, again, I'm one who takes very seriously what I do as far as the Lord's church is concerned. I don't take that lightly. And God knows that. And I hope and pray that you don't take your life so lightly that you will pick and you will choose in the midst of opportunities to become that better person for God's glory. I can tell y'all right now, there are three things you need. You need me. Now let me clarify that me. I mean me as a representative of all the other me's who are your so-called brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. And I've received so much insight and education and guidance and support just from knowing y'all, period. I think back to, 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 my, to my days when I was younger, and I just remember just critical words from critical people. And, I, and I'll never forget this time. I remember Brother Black being the one who, who took me out when I was down in the dumps, coming back from college, having to sit out. And he just voluntarily just took me out. I remember Dexter grabbing me. We went to Popeye's. Where's Dexter? We went to Popeye's Chicken one day and then went to the house. And we just talked. I needed that. Remember Curtis saying, Dan, it's just this decision between the good and the good. I remember Greg Crawford sliding me some money that he refused to take back when he knew I didn't have hardly anything in my pocket. I remember those days. I remember them like yesterday. And I will never forget that level of support. We need each other. We need God's word. We need God's word. For those of you who have taken the time to visit and revisit scriptures in the midst of circumstances you've gone through, you have seen the power of God's word. And I'm just uh, kindly encouraging you, don't delve into God's word by yourself. Put the first one and the second one together. We need a relationship with God. So that whenever he wants to reveal whatever his plan is, however it plays itself out, that we can hear that plan, that our heart is in such a place where we can receive that plan. Again, y'all, the goal of education is to equip. And if anybody needs to be equipped, it's God's people. So how is it that you plan to change wherever you are as it relates to God's plan for your life such that you will be equipped? A critical part of God's plan was this plan of salvation. God saw the direction the world was going in and immersed in this plan from the beginning, knowing that people would not do right was this one man. Jesus Christ, that he was sent to the earth to live, to suffer, to give us an example, to teach, to challenge our faith, and to ultimately die for our sins. That was a part of God's plan for you. 
And in the midst of all of that, he's created that gateway to salvation. And in the midst of that gateway to salvation, y'all, is each and every one of our plans for our life on this earth. From the youngest child in here, keep in mind what he said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a boy. And he said, I, I, I'm commissioning you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, what does he commission Jordan to be? That burden's on Jordan. That burden's on me as his father. What's Camille going to be? That burden's on me, on Tracy, on, on Camille, the whole nine. For all of you with kids, you bear that burden along with yourself. But guess what? He's a wonderful Savior. So I'm starting where I left. I'm, I'm ending where I started. We serve a wonderful God who has these expectations, but he's going to equip us. If you're here today and perhaps you realize that you have not become thoroughly equipped, well, I can tell you one reason some of you have not, because because God has provided that gateway to salvation, and a root of that is being buried with him in baptism. You've heard the word today. Do you believe it? Are you willing to repent of your sins, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and be buried with him in baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that'll help you better understand God's plan? Perhaps you veered off and you, like Jeremiah, gave that same answer to God. Uh-uh, not me. I know me. God knows you better than you know yourself. And in the midst of you knowing you so well, you've gotten yourself off to a path that is just wrong. You can get yourself back onto the right path. And God's patience is patience enough to make sure that he receives us in such a way that we can get back on that path. Perhaps you need prayer this morning. We, whatever the case is, y'all, the beauty of the Lord's church is that we have the invitation, a response to God's word where you can come down, receive the prayers of the righteous, and never, ever see life like it was before you came down and be right back on track with God's plan for you. Whatever the case is, let us stand together at this time and let us sing the song of invitation. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace, His power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed? in the blood of the Lamb.